Welcome to Dose of Support. We are an interdisciplinary show that highlights healthcare workers. We share stories and self-care in healthcare every week. I'm your host, Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner and a healthcare worker just like you. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider. Our guests are not your healthcare provider, and we're not giving healthcare advice here. Seek out care from your own healthcare provider. This podcast, host, guests, and associated social media platforms are not representing an employer or organization. It's hard out there, so let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. Let's huddle up, dosies. It has been too long. And I've really decided to take the podcast in a different direction. You're still going to get great stories and self-care ideas here. But I also felt that dropping an episode weekly was really hard for me. And let me rewind for the last, I don't know, has it been about six to eight weeks now since I dropped an episode where I closed on a house, remodeled a house, moved my child, my dog, my cat, and have been charting on the weekends just to catch up while I do all these remodels, these repairs on the home. And I felt like there wasn't time to give you a good episode. And I felt like when I came back to this microphone, I wanted to be ready. And here I am. And I am still committed to providing an excellent show for you. And I'm so happy that you're here. So as I go through my process of finding a new normal in my new home, I'm asking for grace and thank you so much for also just supporting the show. I think a lot of people don't know what goes into a podcast, all of the background work that happens. Um, I have really felt like it's important for me to give a quality product, and I feel like I can do that again. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode and stay tuned for future episodes that will be coming when I can produce that quality that I speak about. So hang on to your hats. It's going to be a wild ride and I hope you're with me for this journey. Welcome back to Dose of Support. Have you ever been the patient? It's scary and it can feel like you're not in control of your body. So here from Seattle with a story about becoming whole in healthcare is Lisa Dunlap. She's a nurse practitioner with special certifications in healing touch, clinical aromatherapy, and reflexology. And boy, does she have a patient story to share. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. It sounds like you not only have been the healthcare worker, but also the patient. So tell me a little bit about your nurse practitioner role. Yeah. So I became a nurse practitioner about six and a half years ago in Hawaii. I'm from Seattle, but I went there to enjoy getting a second degree in nursing and then a master's. And uh, so I, through my years of nursing in Hawaii, I also 
figured out early on that I needed a role that was holistic for me and holistic for my patients. And um, having grown up in Seattle, there was a lot of integrative health around me. And so that was already woven into my matrix of how I was as a human and how I wanted to practice. And I had even dreamed of becoming a naturopath and um, kind of traveled the world and decided, no, in order to help others, it's better to have a Western medicine training because a lot of people have their native medicine already. Uh, So as I was uh, practicing as a nurse in the community, doing lots of psychiatric and working with underserved populations, I found that geriatrics, adult geriatrics, primary care was the best place for me because I could spend a lot of time with the patients. I didn't have such a high quota, especially in geriatrics of, you know, I think often I only had to see about four to five patients a day, getting 45 minutes a patient. And I just figured out early on, I wasn't really built for the 15 minute visits, no judgment on them. I understand why we have them. I just for me, and um, being in feeling like I wanted to provide something comprehensive for a patient, I felt like I needed more time. And as they say in Hawaii, talk story with your patients. I really loved that aspect of working with adults and geriatrics. And so most of my six years as a nurse practitioner has been um, in outpatient geriatrics, house calls, um, some long-term care settings, and hospice work. And The way I balanced for myself um, was to always have two roles. I kind of would have like a call-in role and a part-time role. And so I'd either have a hospice in addition to primary care geriatrics or sometimes uh, teaching undergrad nurses in addition to primary care. And that really worked for me. I love teaching and I also like a lot of variety in my work too. And you and I, I actually... I'm a primary care provider for adult and geriatric patients too. So we do a lot of, it sounds like we, you, you did similar work to what I do now. And so throughout this time you're working and then like you got sick or, or what happened? Can you get into like, what, how did this happen? Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, you're yes, it's so great that you're also in geri- primary care geriatric. So you understand the love of that role and, Um, so being a mom of two small children and, you know, working as a nurse practitioner, I, I went along thinking everything's going swimmingly. And as many of us providers and people in healthcare and women, we tend to push and go, go, go. And I was kind of that run a marathon for fun kind of person or do a high intensity workout and be the mom, be the provider. And it just caught up with me. I, it really did. It was not something I saw coming, but I'd say about a year and some change ago, um, right before that big 40th birthday, I my body just started giving me some big signals. And I was having um, severe hamstring and hip pain. And I was trying to run a marathon to prove that I wasn't old to the world. <laughs> <laughs> And it totally backfired. And so I did not run that marathon. I couldn't even run the half marathon. And I um, ended up with just, I could barely walk in the coming weeks. And I didn't have a major injury. It was all of a sudden my hips weren't working. I had sciatica. And honestly, it took about five months of being ping-ponged around the system. Um, It was my first real big experience of being a 
patient who now was being put in a category of a chronic pain patient. And suddenly I felt like I wasn't being heard and people just, oh, chronic back pain. Okay. Yeah. Here's some Tylenol. Go home. And it was the worst feeling in the world. I I need to unpack this a little bit. So like you're a young white lady with privilege and you were brushed aside in our healthcare system. You weren't believed. You you said you were bounced around and I just want to hear more about that. Yeah, so it's like you are in pain and you don't know what's wrong and you're a provider and you think, okay, this is easy enough. I could figure this out. Well, go to primary care and it's like, I don't know, you know, we don't prescribe opiates anymore. It sounds like that's what you're after. No, no, no. That's not really what I'm trying. I just want to know what's wrong with me. Okay. Let's go get some imaging. Oh, well, I don't really see anything wrong here. Okay. Why don't you go to ortho? So I go to like a hip ortho and he's like, well, I don't really see that you you know, did anything in your hip. Hmm. Why don't you go to this like low back doctor? And, and in the meantime, you're trying different providers, seeing the right fit, trying PT. And, and there's just this ping pong effect. And sort of, like I said, you putting, put in a box, everyone kept saying chronic pain. You've had this for a long time. And then it suddenly turns you into this, like, there's nothing we can do for you. Sorry. And, um, you know, that sort of sounds like you're seeking drugs, which was not the case. I I literally couldn't sleep, though, at many a nights. And um, and then, you know, as you know, you're trying to work and treat patients at the same time and take care of your children. Um, You get a little gritty and a little irritable and a little bit um, you have some sleepless nights. And so, yeah, I've I've it was a good experience. It was humbling. I understood what patients go through. I understood for the first time as a hospice nurse practitioner, what severe pain really feels like that cannot be managed. Um, and to not have medications to manage it. And what's really interesting about this situation is you're walking into it as a provider. So you, you knew how to advocate for yourself. You knew what specialists to go to. You like, you, you knew what to do. You, you like probably tried all the things at home, right? Like putting some ice on it, doing some stretches, do it like, <laughs> I'm just totally. guessing that you tried all the things. And then when, when your things didn't work, you knew who to call. And like, we have this extra level of knowledge that, you know, it really affords us like, I think it's a it's a true privilege, honestly, that we kind of know what to do and how to advocate for ourselves. But like a regular layman patient doesn't know how to do that. And so it's really quite amazing that you still fell through the cracks. Oh, and even neck to another degree, absolutely what you're saying. And I, I forgot to mention, like, as I've throughout my years, the past 20 years, I've cultivated a lot of lifestyle knowledge, um, integrative health knowledge. So I know how to use food as medicine, um, natural herbs. So I was using all the things, aromatherapy, herbal topicals, um, changing my diet for inflammation. And, you know, at the point that I was on the couch and had to go on disability and couldn't take care of my children, um, it was another type of maddening experience because not only was I 
not getting any correct diagnosis. And I also think it has to do with the fragmentation of the system where one provider I'm seeing is not talking to the other, right? And so you have to go in, fill out yes. the forms, retell your story, redefend yourself. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I really have this pain. Um, and those that all of that packaged up with now your your identities are kind of stripped away without being able to mother or go to work or um, uh, take care of you know your fitness in that way and so that those things taught me a lot and over time they gave, we got a diagnosis it was um, SI joint dysfunction with sciatica and that's kind of that sacroiliac joint that can really be off for women who've had babies. and But they still didn't know. The story goes on. They didn't know why I was having issues there. And so I started to get the pain managed a little bit to the point where I could go back to work. And uh, and then it would fire up again. And I, meanwhile, I should add in, because everyone loves to hear about burnout, is that I was getting feedback at work. Like, oh, you know, you're, you're not as uh, present with your patients. It's like you're checking off the boxes and they feel like you're rushing out of their room, which was not the kind of person I was. I, I, no. was, I was shocked and I didn't see the cues of burnout, but I was in so much pain and I was so irritable and tired and um, I hadn't been able to slow down that I think I just felt like I had nothing left to give, right? To patients who are dying. And it's, it was really sad and it was a really hard place to be. Um, and then one day back in March of 2019, no, 2020, I think it was, yeah, the beginning of the pandemic here in King County. Um, so things were about to shut down here, like lights out. We had some of the first cases and I got this call and I was driving up to the mountain and again, starting to feel better, going on a ski trip with my family. And it was my OBGYN who was one of the providers I saw along the way. And she said, you know, you need to sit down. We found this very large solid mass in your ovary and it is, we don't know what it is. And, but I think this is the cause of your several months of hip low back pain and we need you to rush back and this is urgent and we need you to um you know prevent from doing anything high risk now granted my family was on the way to go skiing at the mountain and then and she's telling me this and this was like a big shift for me in this moment it was this moment of self compassion and i thought i'm hearing this and typically i was the kind of person who would go down anxiety creek all the way all those tunnels of like oh my gosh i have cancer it's metastasizing yeah. what ovarian cancer i'm 40 um and i just i took a deep breath and i thought you know what i this isn't urgent i've been dealing with this pain for 6 months now to the listeners this is not medical advice you need to listen to what your doctors are telling you and but and i am a provider and i was intuitively listening to my body and i thought i think this trip is really important for my family i want to be present i want to be on this mountain every we're about to be in lockdown and i was able to just spend the next few days reflecting on this mountain what if it was cancer what if this was my final moments what if you know, I was dying and it really changed my whole mindset. I just was able to figure out what's really important, what I have control over and what I don't. 
and how to just surrender to what's going on, even though you can't control it, which was the most beautiful message for um, me and my family and for being in a pandemic. And so that was kind of the shift for me that kind of sent me on a new trajectory. What a gift to be able to sit with it and to like not lose your goddamn mind because I like you were saying like you tend to like respond with anxiety and like that's me hi I totally I am that person I'm I'm more high strung and um and I love reflecting I love doing that but sometimes it's really hard to do that with yourself you start self-diagnosing you um like really can't rationalize when it's about you or your child and I think that it's it really shows the strength of your of your character that you were able to sit with it and decide like whether or not not even knowing what it was that like how you were going to approach it almost yeah and thank you for mentioning that because i am human and so what happened is i you you know stress response anxiety response you can go back and forth so we came back from the ski trip and then I actually went in the office and when I saw the mass on the screen and they said, this is solid, it's complex. We have no idea. It's the size of a grapefruit. This is crazy. It wasn't on your, um, you know, your ultrasound with your son two years ago, two and a half years ago when you were pregnant. Um, and I'm like, then I freaked out. <laughs> so then I did all the things. I was like, I sure, couldn't breathe. Sure. It was metastasizing to my back. I had COVID in my head. This was from the office to my home. I had my first panic attack in my entire life, literally like with a brown bag. Mm-hmm. And again, so ironic as a provider, as someone with the tools, with a you know integrative background. And um, so I did, I spun out for a couple of weeks and I was in deep despair. And then- I found out after a month and I had to do a ton of advocation because ORs Wait, don't were don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> I think I think we should we should take a break and when we come back Lisa is going to finish her story. We can find out what happened and then she'll talk about the new path that she's taking. So stay tuned. And we're back with nurse practitioner and specially certified healing touch. What what do you want to call yourself? Like a guru? (laughs) No, I would just say integrative nurse practitioner or mindful nurse practitioner. Yes. Okay. Yep. Lisa Dunlap. And so when before the break, she was in this tumultuous tale of being the patient and getting some really scary results. And I just want to unpack something because you said that at one point you went from being all these things and doing all these things in your life to no longer having those things like you weren't able to be the mom be the nurse practitioner be the wife be you know all the labels that you give yourself and all the things that you identify with that it's almost like your sense of self was taken away and I wanted to ask you about that oh yeah I have chills when you say it you do said that's such a good uh, summary I think a lot of women um, and humans have identities that they you know can like they feel so drawn to and attached to and uh I guess I would call that experience I'm not Buddhist but it was kind of my little Buddhist monk journey because it's 
when things are stripped away, um, which we've all experienced in the pandemic, and then even further to not having your physical outlets or your uh you know, ability to walk across the room um, or even nurture your children. There's just something really raw about that and really tender. And uh, there was some, like I said, some deep, dark despair. And then as I continued to waffle back into that mentality that I found on the mountain, which was, you know, I, I just, I can't control things. I have no control over my body, which was new to me. I have no control over this pandemic or um, this these feelings of burnout at work. But what I can control, it got really clear, was how to feel joy and how to feel love and how to uh, fill my time with things that were bringing that. And it's when you're stuck at home it becomes toes in the grass. It becomes um, deep breathing when you start to feel something bubbling up in your body. Because I, I, the the beauty was I had time to like actually nourish myself in ways that I hadn't. As us providers are really super busy, or mothers, and if you're an achiever, and so I actually it was kind of a gift. It turned into this gift where that I could actually slow down and give myself what I needed in moments. And it was small things like looking at a flower and engaging all five senses outside or really focusing in on my children's laughter. And even their tantrums became more fun, which sounds insane. But if you totally sounds insane, I am not there right now. But if you think your life is slipping away, which I did for a month, there was a month where I didn't know and you're in a lot of pain even that becomes this like, wow, I'm so blessed to be here right now. And that the power of the present became so valuable to me where I could just be with them. And I hadn't had that opportunity, always having worked 10 weeks postpartum and working up until 40 weeks, you know, I had not had the opportunity to just slow down and really and no longer were we racing around to soccer practice and this and that, right? We were just at home playing games. And so that really is how the healing began for me as I, they, you know, I advocated to get results and found out, okay, it's not cancer. So wait a second, you had your few weeks of freaking out. And what did you have to do to get these results? Oh my gosh. So the honest truth, and this sounds terrible. I had to pit two systems against each other. It sounds horrible. I can't even, but like I had to tell my doctor who's saying, you know, it's going to take four weeks to see an oncologist and everyone's closing and you're going to have to wait for results. And I'm like, you're kidding me. You're telling me I might have ovarian cancer, which is fast and slow growing. No, that the anxiety is going to kill me. And so I said, look, I'm going to the healthcare system down the road and I'm getting a second opinion. Yeah, girl. And I went and that second opinion said, well, we're going to do our best and we can schedule you for surgery. Like once we get, if we get results and it's not cancer, we'll, we'll schedule you for surgery. And that second system then called me the next day and said, oops, 
our ORs just shut down for COVID. So we can get you those cancer results, but we cannot get you surgery. So then I was like, oh man. So I went back to the first system. I got a second opinion within the same practice, which is kind of interesting and different. And they, that person had, was historically my doctor. And she said, okay, dude, your anxiety, no. We're getting you the cancer 125 tests like today. That is no problem. You don't need an oncologist. Let's do that. You you have low risks um, for cancer in your family. So I don't think we even need to go down that road. And we got the cancer 125 and it came back negative. And she consulted with an oncologist who said, yeah, I think we could just proceed with surgery and then we can biopsy it later. And again, they they scheduled the surgery and said, you're it, you're coming in in two days. And then they call me back the next day. And then this healthcare system's ORs had shut down. So it was another piece of humble pie because they said, you know, you need to just sit and wait. We have to save everything for COVID. We need all the PPE. You just need to kind of manage the pain and we'll call you in a couple months. And the doctor even went as far <laughs> as to say, months. she like- said, yeah. Like, you got to be kidding me a couple months. You could just, nope, nope. Yeah, I was pissed. And she said, but at the same time, it's COVID, right? And so my, she said, look, like the PPE we'd use for your elective surgery, which I never even understood what that meant. I'm like, I'm not choosing to get a nose job. I'm like choosing to get this removed, but it's elective because it's not emergent, right? And so she said, even if you have um, a pain crisis, I don't want you coming to the ER. King County had the most cases in the nation at that point, and they were overflowing. Yeah. And she just said, look, and I, if it bursts or torsions, I don't want you coming in either. I will prescribe you what you need over the phone. That was it, another moment of like, wow. Like, I thought, as you described, I'm a privileged white woman living in a really um, affluent society here in Seattle. Like, that's incredible to you know, again, be put in that position of like, wow, yeah. I can't receive care. Okay. Yeah. The, the most helpful thing I could do was to step aside and let others get surgery and just, you know, wait until it was my turn. And that's when the healing began. That's when um, I began to really integrate what I knew from 20 years of integrative experience. And I began to meditate and um, do some gentle yoga. I did some envisioning of like the cells being healthy and them going away, the cyst just like dissipating. And I would use aromatherapy and I learned about self-compassion work. And that's this practice of, uh, you know, recognizing where you're at, pausing and really naming what you're going through and being able to recognize you're not alone in society and that you, you, you know, give yourself words of kindness. So like, hold on, Lisa, like I am just still mad for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna, I'm just guessing that the listeners are like, so wait a second. She just didn't get surgery. Just like not, nothing, not just nothing. Like I'm over here pissed. Um, and, and you took this and like redirected that energy, it sounds like, um, to doing some personal work. And were you able to like continue working like 
your NP job or? Yes. So there was a ton of anger and you got to go through that. I mean, don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. There was a lot of victim mentality and a lot of like, this is not fair. And I was working on and off. So I was blessed with, uh, you know, being able to take some disability time. And then I would try to go back to work and it was too stressful, um, you know, amidst in the pandemic and with the pain that I was under, I, I was mm-hmm. trying and yeah. then the childcare was falling through. Right. So yeah. it was like yeah. all the things. And I just really had to make a choice for myself. Okay. I just need to heal right now. And I was keeping the job and they were supportive, uh, knowing this is how serious it was. And so I did get surgery. It took eight weeks of waiting and, um, oh there was, there was anger, but I'll tell you when sud- you just can't control it and you finally accept that you figure out other ways and you just, you realize, like I said, how it kind of became this gift. I mean, I got to slow down and be with my kids and really what I learned looking back was I was healing years of burnout that was building up, um, because when they went in for surgery, that's my theory anyway, they went in eight weeks later and it would, there was nothing there. I'm, there was- <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> I know. What, what do you mean? There was, it was like grapefruit sized and it was just gone. <laughs> right. And it was solid. It wasn't one of those like ones that comes with your cycle or anything. Um, and there was no imprint. If it burst, there would be an imprint. Um, and there was no like symptoms that it- like scar tissue or um, it's kind of like an imprint of the kind and there would be fluid in there. They tested the fluid. It wasn't the type of fluid from a cyst. It was just like normal fluid. Um, there was no oh ab- like I'm still hold on. Let me just pick up my jaw from the floor. So hang on. I'm, <laughs> I'm picking it up right now. All of a sudden, this thing that you had, you had been like going through all the stages of grief, first of all, like, and all the stages of like, just being scared. And then we're in a pandemic. So you can't get the care that you normally would. And um, your symptoms were brushed aside. I, I'm, I have so many feelings about this, Lisa, and I've never (laughs) even met you. Um, And then they go in to do the surgery. And so they didn't rescan you before going back in. I love that you mentioned that because I would, I would, I wished I'd had the intuition to request that because ironically, before I went into surgery, uh, about a week or a couple weeks before, I started feeling a lot better. My pains were gone. My SI joint, my sciatica, my, you know, deep gut pain that made me nauseous and not want to eat for eight weeks. And um, all of that was getting better. And they weren't giving me a magical pill. Um, They did give birth control, which historically takes three months to shrink a cyst. And typically that's not the kind of solid cyst that I had. It's the other, the non-complex and, and it'll shrink it, but it not in the research. My doctor, I read after, has it ever made one disappear in ever or eight weeks? So there was, yeah, there was a little bit of medication going on and Um, She was jaw dropped. She came out of the OR, my OBGYN, bless her heart. She said, I had to get five sets of eyes in there looking at your old ultrasound and looking at inside you. And I was at first angry. (laughs) Yeah, that I went, wait. And after surgery, I'm like drugged up and I'm like, wait, you didn't take it out? And she said, no, there was (laughs) (laughs) nothing. 
she said, there was nothing to take out. And I said, well, why did you do the surgery? And she's like, because we thought there was something in there. And just oh like you, I felt so angry at the system again. Like, why didn't you rescan me before surgery? And she said, that's not our protocol. She says, a cyst never disappears that quickly. And we just scanned you eight weeks ago. Um, so hindsight's 2020. Of course, I wish I had said, Hey, I'm feeling better. Do you want to rescan me before surgery? But I, I didn't quite yet believe in medical miracles like this. Yeah, so right. <laughs> I was like, I was a little bit pissed, but then yeah. a- again, it was like, Hey, who's there's nobody to blame here. They were doing their job. I was doing mine and I told you I was working on all that alternative woo woo stuff here at home. Yeah. And I had a community. I have to give credit. I had a community of people. I'm a, I'm a helper asker. I asked for help and I had sent out an email and I said, hey, this could be cancer. I want this cyst gone. They won't give me surgery. I need you all to start whatever you do. Envision, write it, pray it, that it disappears on its own, that it um, the cells turn healthy and everybody did. And the hilarious- so let's, like, let's talk about the woo because- Joseph support is all about evidence-based woo. You've you've now turned this into your mission. You've now like turned this whole experience into like helping other people find this this self-love and this self-compassion. And you've really like redirected your energy and taken this experience and turned it I just love I just love how you've but you're bringing you know 20 years of experience in integrative work with you and so it sounds like you did yoga you did meditation practices some guided imagery it sounds like you have a really good foundation in nutrition and like listening to your body and what your body needs and like decreasing inflammation through nutrition um can you speak about any of those methods that maybe some of our listeners could deploy for themselves? Yes. What a great summary you just gave. And uh, there is a lot of research on woo-woo stuff. I like to call it woo-woo stuff because us in Western medicine, some of us still think it is woo-woo stuff, but there is a lot of research. and There is, there is some evidence on woo. Yes. Yes. And some of it is... Um, like subjective experience, especially with energy work, right? That it's like, they just know that if someone has had energy work, they can report reduced stress and depression and that type of thing and reduce pain. So there's, um, which I know I listened to one of your podcasts before your a dietitian was talking about where it's simple um, moments of pausing, checking in with yourself. What am I going through? What am I feeling? Am I in fight or flight? And then what can I do to ground in the present? And for me, that's nature. And that's one tool that I teach to um, the people that come to my workshops or group sessions and how quick and easy it is. Because if, as you know, with small children, it's not realistic to go meditate for 30 minutes. Um, But to, (laughs) to take your shoes off, and walk outside in your grass. It's almost like an instant sensory experience. I love that. I love that. I, I want the listeners to think about that. Like, what can you do right now to ground yourself? That's a really good grounding practice. Like, getting your feet on the ground and and feeling connected to the planet, to the world around you in a different way that isn't so overwhelming. I, I think that that can be so valuable for people. And a lot of woo work, woo woo work, a lot of it is 
I feel like not taken seriously as something that can really help you. But what I find, like with myself, what I have found is consistency really matters. Right. I love that you mentioned that because with the mindfulness practice, like going out in nature, and the one I teach a lot is the, the, the traditional engage all five senses and name what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you feel. Um, that actually it creates, it shifts, it derails your fight or flight, and it quickly switches you into parasympathetic, that calm nervous system. It takes two minutes and um, they've done studies on many mindfulness moments, many self-compassion moments in healthcare professionals, mind you. They've, uh, Dr. Kristen Neff uh, has done, she pioneers mindful self-compassion research, and she has found in six-week studies many moments throughout healthcare professionals' days of doing a grounding practice, a breathing practice, a self-compassion practice where you offer yourself words of kindness, which sounds corny, but it's that antithesis of the self-critic, which so many healthcare professionals have. In order to be good at what we do, we, we are self-critics and we don't want to make mistakes. And to offer some kindness for the grief we're going through has actually, in healthcare professionals, she's found it re, uh, improves focus, reduces stress, reduces anxiety, um, it helps people mitigate difficult circumstances, which is the resiliency piece, and it can increase your compassion for others. So ironically, practicing more self-compassion and mindfulness for yourself actually extends more compassion to those around you. Oh, that is like such a yoga principle too, like putting the good energy out and bringing the, then it comes back to you and like, I'm feeling all that love, man. I, I like that. Well, and I, I love it too. And I think with burnout, as I shared, I think what I realized my symptoms were stress over several months leading to burnout. There's so much compassion fatigue. There's so much feelings of I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving all the time. And how do when we're in healthcare, we, we can't take an hour a day for yoga. So how do you like in these many moments give fill your cup. I almost want to punch people every time they're like, well, just go do self-care. And I love self-care and I love the message of your podcast, but it's not always so easy to like, oh, no. do that. <laughs> no. And like what we find here is like everyone uses different things or like I've had someone on the show that was like, I do a daily gratitude practice and I'm like, fuck that. I can't do that. Like I, I literally, I can't adhere to something every day, but I can, I can do something a couple times a week. So what I like about what you've brought up here today is that, you know, you have all these techniques and people can use them differently. And I think that's what we need because everyone is experiencing healthcare, this pandemic, whatever they're going through. And and they might not be able to adhere to whatever practice. So as long as there are, are there any methods or techniques or um, apps or something that you can point listeners to, to check out right away in the moment, maybe they're at work um, and they're in the bathroom, but let's be honest, some, some people just don't go to the bathroom when they're at work. But let's just pretend someone is in the work bathroom right now and they're looking at their phone. 
And what can they do to take like some breathwork moments? Like how can they do some breathing? So what I like to encourage is hand on the heart because it gets you back into your body. And a lot of times when we're in fear, anxiety, which is kind of like mini trauma, but it reminds you to just take a moment, check in with yourself and pause. And then I, I then go to deep breathing. And if that's not comfortable. I'm literally like hand on my heart and I'm smiling right now. Yeah. It's so interesting how quick and powerful and you don't have to remember anything. It's like you just do well, it. That is important too because people are like, I don't, I don't have time to pull up, pull up this thing to, you know, follow this class or follow this. Uh, like people don't think they have time, but you're right. Some of it is intuitive. It almost is like automatic if you do it, like yeah. putting your bare feet in the grass or your hand on your heart. And so I want to point out that like celebrating what you are doing is the other piece of this. It's that like not feeling bad because, oh, I can't do it. You brought, you brought it up. Like you can't do it every day or I don't, I can't, I'm not meditating. You know what? But what I can do is take three breaths right now. What I can do is walk around the block. What I can do is put a drop of lavender. I did it before this podcast on my wrist and smell it. Being able yeah. to just say like, hey, this is what I need. And that's what self-compassion work is, is like, what do I need right now? I also find that personality really plays into what somebody needs and how they how they approach this. Because like you had talked about being an achiever earlier, and I, I consider myself one of those people that's an achiever. And when I don't achieve, I feel guilty or I feel like disappointed or I feel like not good enough, right? And I think a lot of other people listening maybe have that same like imposter syndrome or like they just like when they don't hit that mark, then it then they're not good enough, right? Or then they or they feel like incomplete. And I I definitely have had feelings of that in the past where like if if I don't eat the thing or if I don't get a workout in or if I don't get that self-care in, then I have failed. And then there's this fear of failure and there's a whole cycle around that. But but I just think like personality probably plays into how you can, maybe what's going to work for you, right? Totally. And, you know, and I love that you brought that up and we can have a whole nother podcast on that fear of failure, that self-critic, that I'm not good enough. That's kind of what I was alluding to with like identities being stripped away and how our identities feed that. And then, you know, being okay with not doing anything is a really hard concept for people. Like it's actually what I learned in this journey was I'd never had valued rest. I had always used my body to push it. And now mm -hmm. I'm learning how to listen to my body and give it what it needs. And more times than not, it's to rest for five minutes, which was like brand new to my world. Like if I had five minutes, I was going <laughs> to do a chore or I was going to exercise. And so it was like, like, wow, rest. I could celebrate resting and I don't have to like do something in this moment to feel like I'm somebody. A lot of people feel like, oh, I'm so burnt out. I just have to quit. That's the only answer. Now, sometimes it is, right? Sometimes you just have like, I'm on a pause because of the circumstances. My kid's needing a lot of childcare right now and schooling. And so, um, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's shifting your schedule and shifting what you, how you approach your day. So I have some questions. How are you doing now? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. And like I said, I, 
ended up having to take a hiatus from my role in hospice about four months ago. And, and that was more related to making my children a priority in this pandemic um, than it was my health, but I wanted to not push myself too hard. And so I wanted to uh, be able to share what I've learned with others and help others who are feeling, you know, the burnout, the imbalance, um, maybe stress, you know, symptoms. And so um, thanks for asking. Yeah, I feel really grateful. Well, the listeners will want to know. That's why I was like, they're going to be like, is she okay? (laughs) Um, Lisa has come up with so many so, so many resources. Some of them are free resources to help healthcare professionals. And um, I really want people to feel like if they're listening and and they want to reach out that they can. So Lisa, how can they find you and the resources that you provide? Thank you for asking. And yes, they can. One of the best ways is Instagram. Follow me or message me and I have updates on offerings there. I also have a website, selfcompassionconnections.com. And I have a Facebook group for healthcare professionals. And I have a community group with Insights Inspirations. And there I do um, weekly live insight sessions with you guys, with members of the community and healthcare professionals talking about your resilient stories and insights on how to handle burnout. And then I also have a program. So I have a six-week program that it's for healthcare professionals tailored to providers and nurses um, and others who just want a shift and have some tools to create balance right where they are. And it includes group sessions and a one-on-one session. And I actually have a kit, a self-compassion toolkit that has reminders of, and I also do like monthly kind of drop-in donation-based group um, mindfulness sessions for healthcare providers and professionals and those in the community. Lisa, thank you so much for joining Dose of Support today. You're so sweet. I really, this has been so much fun and I love what you're doing. And I think it's so important, just everyone hearing from all types of healthcare professionals right now and learning tips and tools on how to be resilient, which is we have similar messages and I think it's just great to highlight different folks. So thank you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, online at doseofsupport.com and give us a dose of support with a rating review or donation on Patreon. Dose of support is organized, contracted, written, recorded, edited, mixed, produced, published, marketed by me, Dr. Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by John Schreier. I will be back in your ears next time with another dose of support.